0: Did you know that Lego is the biggest, largest manufacturer of tires in the world? Well, it's, obviously not the regular tire sizes, but the tiny, tiny ones.
1: Really? Toys. The teeny weeny little tires. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> I was really worried for a second that I missed a big strategic decision when you said the biggest tire manufacturer, but now that you said it's toy tires, okay. Um, yeah, they didn't no.
0: diversify into tires yet. <laughs> They make 300 million tires a year, LEGO does. Jeez. And then, for example, Michelin makes 200 million tires a year.
1: Obviously, wow. they come in different sizes.
0: Yes. The mm. LEGO ones are much smaller. <laughs> but still.
1: Have Michelin thought about, you know, getting in on the teeny tire game? I mean, they might <laughs> want to think about that. Maybe we'll tear them down one day. Mm. Mm.
0: Thanks, Tom, for the segue. <laughs> because now you're welcome to another biz Design Teardown. It's a podcast format where we look into the darlings of the design community, so products and businesses that we, designers, love, because we want to find out, are they only good designs or are they good businesses too?
2: So my name is Alan. I'm a founder of the DMBA. I am Franz. I am the program
1: director of the DMBA. Uh, And I'm Tom. I'm a product designer and design strategist and DMBA's resident webinar host, Mm -hmm. More on that very shortly. Um, You probably guessed from Franz's incredible fact um, that today we are diving into, we are tearing down the fascinating world of Lego. Um, But before that, back to the webinar uh, news. We're very, very excited to share uh, that next week we'll be hosting a DMBA event, a live event called How to Measure Design and Its Impact with the wonderful, very, very, very excited to have him, vitally friedman uh, co-founder of smashing magazine which don't know about both of you has just been with me throughout my couple of decades career just a Definitely. wonderful resource Vitaly is just such a engaging speaker um Absolutely love what he puts out. He's going to be amazing. So we have got him doing a talk and then a bit of a fireside Q&A, which is going to be fantastic. So that is next week, if you are listening to this uh, (laughs) second week of January. Um, So it's January the 25th, 6 p.m. Central European time, 12 noon Eastern, uh, for what promises to be a super insightful talk demystifying the world of design metrics so if that sounds interesting to you and it really should it's gonna be great um go to d.mba forward slash webinars all details there grab your free ticket hope to see you there um if you are a teardown fan when you get into the chat let us know uh Mm. know who sent you (laughs) yeah yeah please drop it in the chat tear down and then the heart emoji yes Please do. We would love that. <laughs> at least one. <laughs> Please. Um, so yes, today's teardown. Um, actually, today's brand inspired me to wear this jumper. If mm. you're watching on video, I was like, what, what color jumper should I wear today? And I've gone with the sort of yellow Lego head jumper. But that's interesting because
0: like, I also had a look at their uh, new campus of the Lego company. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, the main color is yellow. And I was like, why is it yellow? Isn't the logo like red and white? And yeah, there is like yellow in it as well, but like it's the least represented color. But in a way it is their color. So
1: it's it's weird. It feels like it to me. Yeah. I, I just think of the Lego heads. Um, yeah, got white on underneath True. this. Too, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, black. No, it's not really a Lego color. Um, <laughs> haven't got the Lego hair. Sometimes it does get a little Lego hair my my hairstyle. So sorry for letting. What is me Lego there. hair? Yeah, where is it's that? kind of um, uh, big and boxy. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it something you looks put like you on, can take it off in one yeah. go, put it it's on like again. Like a cap. Okay, got it. <laughs> Circle or a cap? I'm not going to make any comments about what Lego the other two might be on screen um but yeah inspired me to get the, the the yellow jumper on today but yes lego trust me there's gonna be a few puns in this one it's not all fun <laughs> and games there's a real business puzzle in here which we are gonna unpack today um but yes back in 1932 a very long time ago uh lego started as a wooden toy company um gonna probably touch on that a little later. Uh, in today's podcast but fast forward to the company we know today and it really is a sort of global creativity powerhouse but here's the thing it's not really just about building stuff i guess it is practically that is what you're doing but more broadly more kind of positively it's about imagination it's about problem solving it's about lasting memories i can still remember the legos i made legos damn I did that. <laughs> That's, you're not supposed to call it Legos. The Lego, sorry, that I made when I was... Uh, What's the kid. difference? Sorry. Well, I was going to touch on this at some point, but a lot of, <laughs> lot of people incorrectly, and I'm, I'm going to have to shame uh, our American <laughs> listeners, it's typically Americans that, that call it Legos rather than uh, Lego. Like a plural. So one Lego, okay. two Lego. Exactly. Yeah. Is it yeah. two Lego?
0: Okay. I thought like the company is Lego, but then if I'm playing, I'm playing with Legos. Like every. Mm, 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 okay. Excuse me, Tom. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's no. why we got to you. <laughs> the native English, I, uh, English I, speaker.
1: <laughs> good job! I cut in there. You could have embarrassed yourself a bit earlier. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's always Lego, um, which is a okay. contraction of two Danish words, which mm. play well. Um, yeah. But yeah, nice and easy to remember. But it's just Lego, never Legos. Um, so yes, and I think I think it's such a memorable thing to play with if you've played with it as uh, as kids. Um, so yeah, and of course, it's not just about us building new stuff out of these blocks. Lego have built their business well beyond that plastic brick. So movies, video games, tires. theme parks, teeny tiny tires. Um, <laughs> the Lego world today is broad and vast um and personally i can't wait to learn more about all those kind of twists and turns that made it that kind of monolith that it is today um so but as lego keeps on soaring which it feels like it does it's got some really stiff really modern competition ipads video games all sort of digital distractions out there traditional toys like lego are facing some serious competition for kids attention um and that's not the only head scratcher for them like many big players in the toy industry lego's also got an environmental dilemma on its hands Mm. and i think striking that balance between quality and innovation while keeping this environmental footprint in check especially now is probably the biggest puzzle um like building a tricky Lego castle, you know, they've got to kind of yeah. work their way through it. So stick around. We're going to be tearing down the business puzzle that made Lego what it is now, what it faces, juggling its roots, what it stands for, the competition, and that eco-friendly challenge. That's, that's a big one. Um, I'm really curious to hear from you both about. So I'm um, going to start off with a question. Can actually, actually, two questions. Can you remember your first Lego set? And then when was the last time you made something out of Lego? I'm going to go to mm. Franz first.
2: I can not remember my first Lego set, but I can remember the situation because I think my cousin had a lot of Lego mm. and I still remember the sound of you have a box, you take it out of the um, closet And then you flip it over and
1: then you hear the
2: rain of Lego blocks. Rain. I (laughs) like that.
1: What a sound.
2: So yeah, I still remember that. And it wasn't something specific at the time. I remember there were some themes like pirates, but I didn't, I don't remember like having like, we know it later, like a specific, um, let's say, plan of what Mm. to build, but it's more like, okay, these are 700,000 blocks (laughs) and you just do something with it. Um, So that was my first uh, memory that I have. And the last one is actually Lego Serious Play. Mm, Yeah. Um, Tell us more
1: about that. Explain what that is.
2: um, It is. I I think even most of listeners know that. Um, So it is a form of workshop facilitation that um, is facilitated by building Lego. Uh, I think it was developed by a university partnering to two universities, Vanderbilt and I don't know who. Sorry about that. Um, Together with Lego, and now it's used in, yeah, innovation, creativity, change management workshop in businesses. Not only positive critics, also from in my team when I used it, but uh, yeah, it's, I would say moderately successful.
1: Mm, yeah, it's a bit of a design thinking go-to, isn't it? I have to say, I was one of that. I'm one of the eye rollers when people start getting their Lego out. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> in the in the sort of business uh, environment, but yeah, I mean, need to give it another shot. Maybe. How about mm-hmm. you, Alan? First Lego experience and and last Lego experience.
0: I don't remember the first set. I don't remember having any sets, but I just remember having those piles of bricks to play with. And actually, the the earliest memory of me building with uh, Lego blocks was trying to recreate a football stadium. So just trying to, you know, build out the pitch in green color, and then trying to build out like something that looks like Old Trafford, mm. uh, which at the time was the only big stadium I knew um you know trying to have the stands going up in height and then having some kind of roof over the stands and i just remember feeling very proud when i finished that thing which also means i wasn't that young when when that happened um so that's the earliest memory and the latest memory is probably yesterday i have a 15 month <laughs> uh, baby girl and of course legos are already part of the curriculum. Um yeah right now it's mostly me playing uh and just trying to show <laughs> what can be built with it instead of just throwing the bricks around but i'm hoping to soon get into the next stage but it's a
2: big version right not uh yeah
1: yeah it's a duplo i think called yeah. duplo. play the big boys then yeah, chun- yeah. chunky boys those those bricks <laughs> harder <laughs> to step on <laughs> yeah Nice. I'm trying to think. My, my first Lego experience sounds very similar to Fran's. I think my cousin gave me like this bucket of Lego, no plans, no instructions. And I just used to mess around making things. I do remember having an obsession with making things that I could stand on. I was very much about tr- testing the structural integrity of my <laughs> buildings. <interesting>. So <laughs> quite, quite chaotic. Um, I imagine my parents were delighted um, at, at that as a pursuit can't really remember the last time i I made something out of lego i have to confess i'm not one of these people that has kind of got into lego as an adult um mm. there's also something about the fact that it, i I'm, I'm sure the lego stands will come after me and correct me if i'm wrong but it seems like everything now it has all these little custom bricks and you're always making something to a plan i'm, su- I'm sure you can get more creative with it but there's something about that that, that doesn't quite appeal to me uh, so much but um i'm sure i've done it a few times in workshops and things like that but yeah who knows i might i might become a a mature brick lover <laughs> at some <laughs> point so so let's rewind i mean it feels like we don't really need to explain what it is um i'd assume most people have heard of lego but at its core lego is really about more than just colorful bricks Um, It's this sort of medium for sparking imagination, fostering problem-solving skills, and creating those memorable experiences. And it's become a sort of symbol of timeless play that transcends generations. So it's something that I have friends who have kids, and they absolutely adore building stuff with their children. I think that's wonderful, right, that you can both enjoy that. You can bond over it. Um, And yeah, plenty of big kids out there who enjoy making stuff. with lego which is fantastic and i think the the value proposition of lego really lies in its ability to provide these endless opportunities for learning and fun and it comes in so many flavors now some more kind of technologically advanced you know kind of in more robotics that area and then at the other end obviously you got the kind of real basic blocks of duplo but it uh, there's something for everyone there and lots of opportunities to experiment and learn i do remember did you with- know
0: that? Sorry, did you know that out of six two point four Lego blocks, you have six of those like most basic Lego blocks, which have two dots in one size and then four dots in another. You can make nine and nine hundred million, nine hundred fifteen million different combinations. Wow! from From what? From six Lego bricks. Ah,
1: which is crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Hadn't thought about that. Nay, blow my mind again. The little tires <laughs> now this. It's <laughs> all too much.
2: You can already see that Alan is our numerous guy. Yeah,
1: yeah, well. Yeah, who'd have thought it that he would be looking into <laughs> that kind of stuff? So looking
2: forward to that.
1: Yes, yeah. So is it like you're a child who's like discovering the joy of building something for the first time, or a parent like Alan, you know, enjoying that that process of learning with a kid or an adult enjoying a kind of creative outlet. Um, that. Very often, we kind of need to embrace a bit more as adults. Lego does seem to have something for everyone. It's a world where you can kind of be an architect, a storyteller, an engineer, um, and to kind of borrow from their branding, they say that the only limit is your imagination, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's that's so powerful; it's so compelling. Um, And the target group for Lego, well, it is, as we said, pretty diverse, which is wonderful. I mean, it'd be hard to deny that probably the core. Uh, demographic is is kids right yeah. that's where we probably most of us get that first hands on feel with the brand but then it can transcend generations after that um, so yeah I'd say Legos Appeal kind of knows no age boundaries um, but it's certainly I think the, the kind of memories that you make with it um, are, are very often in childhood in play school or at home or with a parent or a guardian or something like that um so yeah it's um it's appeal is 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 very diverse and i think that's what makes it so powerful so that's some sort of broad reasons that people love lego right uh the experiences it can help us create but what about designers specifically what is it about lego that designers kind of connect with and particularly enjoy about lego and the brand I've got three for us today the first i think undeniable kind of Reason why most people like it is the creative aspect, the creativity and the freedom. And I love this quote, and it actually really reminds me of what you were just saying, Franz. And this is a quote from one of my favorite artists, um, British artist Grayson Perry. He says, "The sound of a box of Lego, the, sorry, the sound of a box of Lego makes is the noise of a child's mind working, looking for the right piece. Shake it, and it's almost creativity in oral form." I think it's just so evocative. It's so so wonderful. Mm. So Lego sets provides designers with this sort of platform for unleashing a bit of creativity and imagination. There's this sort of open-ended nature of bricks that you I mean you can build virtually anything that you can envisage. Um, so you know, although I, as an adult now I'm like mm, not really into Lego. I'd be amazed if it didn't play quite an important part in me kind of learning to be a creative child and building things and wanting to make things and because i was one of those people who didn't have the sort of the set plans i had the big box of crap (laughs) like everything i could let my imagination go wild so yeah on reflection maybe maybe it maybe it had an important role to play in my in my career (laughs) um the second thing is this sort of it's probably at the other end of the creative spectrum is the the modularity and the precision uh, of Lego, which, again, is sort of wrapped up in this wonderful quote uh, by the artist Nathan Sawyer, who is famous for creating art out of Lego. He says, the fact that you can take Lego bricks from 30 years ago, and they still snap together with the same new Lego bricks that comes out, i mean what type of product can span generations like that there is something really special in it um and the modular design of lego bricks um with this sort of consistent size and shape that would allow a designer or anyone to prototype and experiment with various concepts really efficiently you sort of learn how things go together um, but you also understand its limitations you you can be creative within those constraints Mm. um and the precision and reliability of the Lego bricks are really crucial for someone to use it for accuracy and consistency in their models, right? Um, I'm sure we'll talk about some of the decisions that were made around uh, how these bricks kind of evolved to, yeah. to enable that. But you, like that quote said, you can play with a Lego from 30, 40, 50 years ago, yeah. and it was Still stuff you buy in the store today, right? Mm. I don't think there's many other products or toys that do that i can't think of any really yeah nothing comes to mind Mm. maybe a ball (laughs) (laughs) and then the final thing i think around designers and design is the what it allows from the creative process it's this problem solving and iterative design ethos that comes from lego Lego encourages problem solving and iterative mm. design processes. You can, if you are using it as a designer, um, you can use Lego to quickly test and refine an idea. It's a sort of I mean, it's quite quite a valuable tool for developing a concept, maybe, and then moving on to a more formal design process. A bit like someone sculpting in clay, you could use Lego to kind of try out some some engineering or a shape or a concept to get it out there and i'm sure as a child i did this if i was trying to test out my lego experiments for whether they could hold my weight or not i'm pretty sure some of them probably collapsed and i had to add some some more structure to them um so yeah those for me are some of the 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 main reasons that that designers really enjoy lego the brand but also lego the product um Hmm. I love this, this, this final quote I found made me laugh because we've all experienced this. That was all about why people love Lego. But this is from um, a chap called Tony Kornheiser. Shout out, Tony. Don't know who you are, but I love loved this quote. Um, Everyone who ever walked barefoot into a child's room late at night hates Lego. <laughs> so we all know that pain. Have you done that recently, Alan? Because you've got a toddler. I guess your Duplo bricks are not quite as easy to to walk on and hurt yourself
0: no but duplo is pretty okay when it comes to that um yeah so far so good but yeah knock, knock on wood good so this
1: this brand we love the brand that feels like it's been around forever and it has been around a, a long time yeah where did it all start
2: yeah where did it all start actually knock on wood was a nice one alan because uh it started <laughs> as a uh but wooden toy company so ole kirk christiansen uh, is the founder of lego he founded, it uh yeah ole founded the company in 1932 after he had to close his carpentry business because of the great recession so he thought that an alternative to providing carpentry services could be wooden toys um If people don't buy houses anymore or build houses anymore, they might still buy stuff for their kids. And that's how he pivoted his business for the first time from carpentry to wooden toys. Well, that's very different to what Lego is today, right? So now these building blocks made from um, plastic. Well, um, to tell the story how Lego got Lego and how the bricks got these bricks actually we need to tell the story of um, how Tom would say uh, how, what Tom would say a uh, UK chap called Hillary Page so this chap um, invented self-locking building blocks they were called craft they were patented in 1939 uh, and they were basically blocks snapping into place onto each other and that was basically the concept of lego invented by hillary page and he called it kitty Craft. Um, basically what all I did was seeing a machine that would mold these plastic building blocks being interested in that looking for new business opportunities and just saying well let's just add it to our portfolio let's also make plastic building blocks um, so in 1949, 10 years after this patent of Kittycraft, um, Lego launched one other product in addition to their many other kids' toys, which was this, um, yeah,
1: plastic brick. It's quite a pivot, right? Like not a pivot because it added it to what they already had. So it's go from making these like quite high really high quality wooden toys, horses, yo-yos, things like that to go, um actually gonna move into plastic bricks. It's quite a quite a move.
2: Yeah, I think that was even in this at this point in time maybe a step forward, right? So plastic was the new thing. Mm. So you just tried it out. So I guess he tried to be modern and tried to go with the time. It was more like, okay, I that's what I can. I do Wooden trucks, wooden ducks, wooden whatever. Uh, let's also just grow my portfolio and try this new uh, trend out, which is molding bricks from plastic,
0: uh, and much easier to reproduce than doing yeah. duck, you know, in wood. It,
2: I think, so. yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so these blocks, they were almost identical with the kitty craft blocks so they just had a little different style uh scale and had the lego logo on it but basically it was completely the same so how come we now know lego and i guess nobody has heard about hillary page and kitty craft at least i didn't know about this before i did the research did you know same here
1: no, Learned I th- about you know, yesterday. I, th- thought, I thought I'd heard of it, and I was like, "No, I don't think so." I think it's just bias, recency bias. Um, what what I did see, I don't know if you came across this. Or I'm going to mention this later. That all, although Killycraft were the were the direct inspiration, there were actually companies making these mouldy plastic bricks, very very similar, for like 10, 15 years before that, um, in the states, made, like made out of rubber, very very similar um to the kitty craft okay. ones but kitty craft was the inspiration they're the ones that they sort of ended up signing a an agreement with and all, and all of that stuff but yeah. yeah no the, these these i mean they looked the old the old rubber ones looked uh looked shit <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah um yeah. and they had a big problem um so now question is why do we now all know lego not kitty craft and why haven't we even heard about all the other alternatives that, yeah, just Tom told us about? I didn't even know that there was more than Kitty Um, Well, the early blocks they had a problem, and that was solved by our Ole Christensen. So, um, did so? We already established that everybody already played with Lego, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you cannot imagine a Lego block, now I'm talking to listeners. Just quickly Google one, (laughs) just to get an (laughs) idea how this two times uh, six studs Lego block looks like. I don't know if this, like, I even thought about, should I even say this? Does anyone on this planet does not know how a Lego block looks like?
1: If you're going to, but I think you might be about to talk about the underside, which is less familiar. Exactly. So from the top, they
2: all look the same. They even look the same now. There are studs. Uh, But they were hollow on the inside when they were launched. They looked like an empty box from the bottom. And at the side, on the short side, they had um, a, let's say, a slot that would allow them to bend and snap onto each other. So far, so clear. So So just a box and this box snaps on the studs of the other one. The problem basic. was, they didn't really grip well together, um, and they were very fragile. So I guess, Tom, you couldn't have done your let me stand on that experiment. I would
1: have tried, and it <laughs> would have not, not <laughs> yeah, ended well. You could well. try, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the, the technical term is clutch, isn't it? That's what they, they, they call this uh, connecting kind yeah. of thing. Yeah,
2: they really clutch together, and the problem was, kids could build something, but it would not last, so you couldn't even like hold it up, carry it to your parents and say, "Look what I've bought," because everything would actually fall apart. So um, all the Christians—what did you make, Tommy? <laughs> well, oh, no. there's
1: nothing left, Tommy. <laughs> it would be just tears. So <laughs> <That's Did John. laughs> you
2: even build something? Come on. Um, so yeah, they are just too fragile, um, and all the Christians solved that by adding three tubes on the inside, and that's how still every Lego block looks like. So these tubes give the studs more points of contact and the blocks hold together much better. Um, Yeah. And this is exactly how Lego became superior to all the other competitors. It gave them a chance to uh, have a better product, but it also gave them a chance to have patent protection because it was a um, clear differentiation from other similar products. And, um, they protected it in 1958, which was basically the start of the product. So but it's a bit weird because like until
0: 1958, basically they were infringing the patent of another, almost of another company, Kidducraft. And then from 58 onwards, they were enforcing patent on others. Yeah. That's why, I mean, when I was doing research, I was like, how? you know <laughs> did you how? find something on that because i no, tried to research i was, research. Yeah, I, I same was asking here. myself the same question but it's i, like, don't, I didn't get it again like it's just yeah so what you're saying now it all comes down to engineering and they had a superior engineering in this case in this stage which is true um but it doesn't seem to have stopped them copying kitty crafts mm. so like why didn't others copy them maybe they were just better in like legal battles or whatever
1: Maybe, yeah, because yeah. the Kiddy ones, like if you Google them side by side, they look very similar. But yeah, yeah. underneath, yeah, it was I, it was the breakthrough, right? Having yeah. those yeah. Those, yeah. those what do you call them again, Franz? The bits underneath tubes, tubes the tubes, tubes in um, the
2: bottom. That's on the
1: game top. changer.
0: So yeah. yeah, maybe just pause the episode if you don't know what we're talking about, and just Google Lego bottom site. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, the before and after it will blow your mind because um they also they they also had the would would deform over time because there was because mm. they, they weren't structurally as sound yeah and then it would yeah. be hard to actually connect them and stuff like that so yeah mm. engineering what we talk about design with lego a lot but the engineering mm. was critical especially yeah. in this stage
2: Exactly, engineers of the product, like how does it work, but also the ability to manufacture it in a way that it would still like fit together, hold together. So um, that was it, new, different, slightly adjusted product, to be honest, but such an important um, uh, adjustment that it's just superior to the uh, to the competition, uh, paired with great manufacturing, uh, taking over, um, yeah, Kittycraft but the real success only came with a broader vision about marketing and the product in general, like how they actually uh, presented the product and how they marketed the product. So now we already got to know Ole Kirk Christensen. Now his son enters the stage, Gottfried Kirk Christensen, um, son of Ole, gradually takes over management and he has a life-changing encounter. Life-changing maybe not only for him and his company but life-changing for a lot of children maybe. So on and that's the story that they tell on a ferry crossing of the North Sea he met a toy wholesaler. And this toy wholesaler um was as interested as he was in discussing the toy industry. They were talking about where the industry would go, they would Complain about what was great, they would, or they would, um, they would praise what was great, but most importantly, they would complain about what wasn't great in the industry. And the point of this wholesaler was that toy makers have a huge problem and make a big mistake, which is producing one off toys. As in contrast, doing cohesive systems where sets of toys were interrelated. So, That didn't occur to me, but it kind of makes sense, right? If you have a truck, then this is a truck. If you have a duck, then this is a duck. But it's not something that would play together, like for example, a farm where you have several parts of something that would go together. Children do that in any case, but toy manufacturers at this point in time, they didn't have these systems. Mm. Okay, so that was the discussion. And um Actually, this suggestion stuck with Gottfried, and he was so intrigued that, uh, intrigued that he spent weeks working out attributes that might define such a system of play. And the results are the company's six principles of play, which are like cornerstones or even like close to um religious guidelines <laughs> of the company. So, first one, they want a system. He wants a system that is limited in size without setting limitations of imagination. The second one is it should be affordable. The, la- uh, the third one is this system should be simple, durable, and offer rich variations. The fourth one is it should be for girls, for boys, fun for every age. Principle five of this system is a classic among toys without the need of renewal. And the sixth principle and last principle of this system of play was easy to distribute. Check, 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 check. Tick, tick,
0: tick. Yeah.
1: Lego ticks. It's crazy, the- right? Mm. It's nuts. And it really, I was trying to find some quotes around this but i can can quiet there's, there's too many good people in the space But when it comes to design systems we talk about lego a lot we use it as a metaphor as designers yeah. when we talk about design systems but to just talk about lego is to kind of get it wrong because lego is like the ui components you need and we we talked about to dan mull in a recent interview about design systems well worth a listen um and he talks about this around the important part being like the how. The how you use these things, right? It's like the the, the guidelines, the documentation, the instruction, uh, and that's what that does. It's like here's the pieces, but here's the principles as well. That they're, they're so important um, together. And you're right, Alan. Tick tick tick, all the way yeah. down. And if they do, they still uphold those principles, friends. Are those things that they still refer to as a modern business?
2: There are things that they lost out of sight in their history we'll talk about this and i think they are um still i don't know how important they are right now but when i read them um, and also talking about the history later we see that they kind of vanished or they forgot about some of them but then they brought them back in which helped them to be successful again interesting thing is here now in hindsight we completely realized that these six principles kind of talk about Lego. At this point in time, um, Gotthard wrote these principles before it was clear that he would even talk about the Lego brick. Really? So, so
1: the print it came principles <clears throat> first. That is exactly, and that's the
2: the very that was crazy for me to learn that <clears throat> this principles. This system of play came before the decision to focus on the Lego brick as the means of actually realizing these principles. Because wow. when he wrote this, the company had a portfolio of toys. Plastic blo- blocks was one of them, but they also had a range of wooden toys. As I said, I, already li- I like saying tractors, trucks, and ducks. So that was like- <laughs> It slips off the <laughs> <your> tongue.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, that, Franz, that's blowing my mind. And again if we're tying it back to design so often we talk about you should develop your principles your vision first when it comes to how you want to design something um and then you start working on how you're going to realize that the solutions um that's really inspiring that something like lego which we use as a creative tool started from those principles i had no idea that's fantastic
0: yeah and it's now a nice it's, piece of uh, business. I mean, yeah, it's a nice piece of business storytelling that we can use on projects. That's what I mean with business storytelling. When you're trying to make the case for why we should start with principles versus end with principles, you
1: can use a story like this to yeah to convince a client. Little company called Lego, you might have heard of them. Um, yeah. Before have this, you? they were doing trucks, ducks, <laughs> and trucks, or
2: whatever. <laughs> Rectors, trucks, and ducks. <laughs> trucks and ducks. <laughs> as I learned. <love. laughs>
1: That's amazing. That's wonderful.
2: So yeah, Uh, Gottfried Kirk Christensen took these principles, reviewed the company's portfolios of toys and decided the self-locking building blocks, the self-locking Lego bricks were the most closely aligned with these six principles. And now that's when he decided to make the brick the main product of Lego. There was also like fire tragedy in play where like their workshop burnt down. But yeah. So, after all, long story short, what they decided on is that from now on, Lego means locking, building bricks, Lego bricks made from plastic.
1: I, from looking at the, you mentioned the fire and the sort of uh, bit of background in there that, i I watched the kind of Lego story of their history, and it does kind of smooth out a few ups and downs from my understanding actually god is is Godfrey isn't it? He was qu- initially quite skeptical of the plastic the move towards the plastic right um uh sales weren't great, and I think they were on the brink of maybe abandoning it and trying yeah. to go back to the wood and it reminds me of that. That image, that metaphor of like where you're digging, 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 and you stop just before you get to the diamond, right? But it feels like they just kind of got themselves enough revenue and enough time to go, let's go again. And yeah, maybe this chant, this encounter with this chap on the boat, um, the systems thing just got there. And you, you often think, wow, what if what if that conversation had gone differently? What if they had given up at that point? We, we might not have this incredible brand um, yep. that we do now.
2: Absolutely, so after all, this system actually um, or this decision was also the birth of the Lego system. so the idea was that you combine lego bricks around a certain theme that can literally expand as far as imagination of a child goes, as Tom already introduced their um, their own brand line so the first system was a Lego town, and then it would make um yeah, it would take me an hour to list all the other systems, but just for illustrative purposes, Lego Castle, Lego Space, Lego Pirates, Lego Vikings expand this list. So that was the first let's say wave of success for Lego that they realized that they can do platform marketing. You can have one brand, you can have one product, and if you have perfect modularity, you have endless opportunities to slice and price your product. So as a parent, you can buy an extensive city theme for Christmas. As an aunt or uncle, you can buy a police station for this city um, for the kid's birthday, and. There were even these tiny part packs designed to be impulse add ons for, let's say, a screaming giant that just wants something and you can just add to your everyday purchase. So, could be everything from one brand, from one product. And that's a genius strategic move.
0: It's one of the rare examples where a hardware product has like a really strong network effect. Because as soon as you buy the first Lego system or even like just a simple box, there just makes more sense for you to buy the second Lego package, second Lego box, because it is modular and interoperable, so to say, with the first one. So you're more likely to buy the same brand. And that's just, yeah, network effects written all over it. Um, Yeah. Which again is one of the reasons why it has such a longevity.
2: As soon as you buy in, you're bought in into the system. Yeah. And even if you look at the most recent financial and strategic document of Lego, there is one page that says, the block that you buy today will fit together with the block that you bought in 1959. So they're still playing on this because of, this network effect and because it also plays into something else that got increasingly important, which is sustainability. So it's not something that you buy once and then after the season has passed, you can't use it anymore. Um, No, it's going to be usable. It's going to be combinable. It's going to be this box that you can turn and rain on your floor and just do whatever you want to do with it. So yeah, that was... Impressive move um and yeah, just imagine we are in the nineteen sixties currently uh late nineteen fifties early nineteen sixties um and this system, together with internationalization of sales and production, put Lego on a role for decades, like Lego um, sustained to be a family business uh the leadership was handed over to the next christiansen he christiansen grandson of the founder and with many as with many family business there was slow but steady growth and lego grew to be into a respected brand big business with let's say the same playbook used over decades um yeah you already imagined what's coming you already imagine what's coming next right dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. it's 1990s and the playbook stops working. Actually, does yeah, their patent uh, run out?
1: I
0: crash. think like nineteen
2: eighty something or seventy something. So, ra- a little bit before the nineties, actually. Yeah, and that's a good point. I don't know how much that played into account. I didn't even read a lot about that. The patent. I have um, it somewhere
0: in my notes, where <laughs> so I just need to find it. But essentially, around uh, nine, yeah, 1978 was the last significant patent for Lego bricks, and ex- uh, expired in 1978 in the U.S. And that's where a lot of new competitors entered the space. And then what uh, Lego actually did as a, as a response was first fight them you know, uh, legally because they got too close to the Lego and they were basically saying that, oh, they're basically just copying the Lego and everyone recognizes the Lego. So the consumers are confused. They think they're buying Lego, but they're actually not. Lego lost this case. So after, I'm guessing, a decade of these legal battles, then they focused elsewhere. But that's where uh, maybe they took the eye off the ball. I think it was the, the late
1: crisis. '80s as well, where they signed some sort of agreement with Kitty Craft that they wouldn't lawyer up um, and and come at them. They they sort of avoided that for a while. Or is that wrong, Franz?
2: Nah, that I don't know. But everything that you're saying sounds exactly like your S curve or your growth cycle coming to an end. Right, So you had a huge innovation in the 1950s and 60s. You capitalized on that for decades. Um, And now you're like, you're fighting lawsuits. You're signing deals. (laughs) The pity. There is like, and I mean, that was even nice that this lasted so long. But what this discussion and all these bits and pieces that you are now bringing up shows is that Lego reached the end of their natural growth Mm. cycle. So they were already on the shelf of every toy store. They had done what they can do to s- with their Lego bricks, like with their current imagination. So at best, Lego was on a stagnating, stagnating path without any changes. Problem is, if you're on a stagnating path, there just needs to, be, needs to go one other thing wrong. And then this stagnating path very quickly transforms into a big problem and that actually what happened uh, with Lego because on the other hand um, there was a huge shift in the market. So in the 90s big box toy discounters took over the market from traditional toy stores, mom and pop stores. I didn't know that they were called like this but apparently this is how uh, people bought their toys and uh, after that we had big box stores like toys r us who took over this market completely um yeah centralized it consolidated it and lowered prices obviously that's I what lo- happened i loved
1: toys r us rip <laughs> toys r us my my parents used to um, pretend that it was santa's um warehouse to, <laughs> to make to make christmas really easy so they take me there <laughs> They go. Oh yeah, this is this is a uh, this is all Santa's, by the way. Um, <laughs> choose choose whatever you want, <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, he'll he'll sort it out. So yeah. it would be go there with a the big trolley. I'm sure some Lego went in there at some point. But um, yeah. yeah, I remember the giraffe guy. Oh, uh, Lego
2: so- wasn't as happy about Toys R Us than you were, <laughs> were they? They weren't. They weren't the Toys R Us fans. Right, tell um, me more. So yeah, that was one reason. Consolidating um, the market in when it comes to the point of sale, then birth rates declined, fewer children, and at this point in time, Lego's target group was children. And lastly, there was the first wave of digitalization. Can you believe that in the nineteen nineties was the first wave of digitalization?
1: can just like about when I read this, I was like.
2: What happened there again?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Was it Game Boy and things like that? You know, the games?
2: Exactly. Video games, consoles, Mm. technology incorporated into toys like Furby and Tamagotchi.
0: Mm, Tamagotchi. Tamagotchi.
2: Also another thing, cable television. Yeah. Uh, Archive games. Exactly. So before, Lego was basically owning kids' rooms. And you know which company owned? kids rooms in the 1990s uh, nintendo
1: yeah playstation nintendo
2: yeah yeah nintendo and late 1990s pokemon
1: pokemon really
2: game boy game manga mm. series trading card game anime series film like that was 1990s multi stickers. <laughs> okay now this podcast gets into what is your favorite uh childhood memory what did you like to play
1: with <laughs> we we probably are gonna tear down pokemon one day uh yeah Ooh, but that's where
2: the whole market shifted right lego as an analog toy struggled against a wave of digital entertainment that offered instant gratification so what did lego do Video games. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, the answer is yes. On a broader level, they innovated. They innovated hard. Like they put a lot of money into new ideas. Problem was, turned out they innovated in the wrong direction and turned out they innovated completely unguided. So, first, they innovated on the product they made increasingly complicated products. So from 1993 to 1998, nice number, they tripled the product line and doubled the number of unique Lego pieces. So what would they do? Just more Lego, more Lego, more Lego, more products in order to boost sales. But not only ordinary, but sometimes very complex Lego products Um, At this point in time, Lego Mindstorms, somebody might know this, so more complex things that you could potentially do more stuff with, but it had a problem because it was completely against the trend. Mm -hmm. This was getting more complex while other um, games actually got more and more transformed into instant gratification. And also it made running the business much more uh, complex, producing it, managing inventory. So this... Um thing they did with their core product was going completely against two principles. They had
1: mm. I remember it having It wasn't easy
2: to distribute anymore. Mm. Um it wasn't simple anymore. It just got more complex and harder to, to like harder to play with but also harder to to manage.
1: That's so true. I remember having the Lego Technics which probably is one that's come up very frustrating. It, i i remember being incredibly frustrated as a kid playing with it and trying to get it to work never never really yeah i can from from what you're telling me now i'm learning that maybe the strategy wasn't quite there, was there. The maybe it wasn't as um well thought out as you know basic bricks really so maybe i wasn't as thick a child as i thought I was maybe the product just wasn't as well thought through yeah
2: <laughs> Yeah, that was the time where this product innovation that they nailed so much with these new themes that they launched and they were all instant success didn't work anymore. Um, So they couldn't grow from products anymore. Second, they also diversified outside of their core product. So already in the um, 1990s, the Lego brand was unbelievably strong. A study showed that brand recognition was on the same level as Disney. Wow. wow. Okay. So, new management killed Christensen. Actually, he was very sick and he brought in management. Um, Did you management. say killed? Oh, they killed
1: him. Or... <laughs> that seems a little harsh.
2: <laughs> huh? Killed him or, or fired him? So, this is grand, grand grandson of the uh, founder. Ah, uh, Okay. <laughs> It's just
1: the name. Yeah, I was going to say they killed him. That's not a recommended business strategy. We don't endorse um, (laughs) murder.
2: (laughs) No, we don't. Okay, so, um, yeah, new management team, what they did was, okay, we have an awesome brand. Let's capitalize on this brand. Our core product doesn't work. So let's create products with our brand that we can sell. So capitalize on brand value. Lego-themed video games, Lego-themed TV shows, um, Lego-themed amusement parks. That was not their idea. They just expanded it. So what they did was, um, I forgot, merge Lego clothing. So they thought Lego clothes would be the next big thing. So they just tried to do new things away from the core product because they just thought okay it seems like our core product the bricks is dying let's just use our lego brand and uh, invest in new products and they will be the new LEGO over time so while the number of lego branded items grew sales just didn't so it just didn't work the new products the new bricks didn't work the new products outside of Briggs didn't work. So they didn't find their new business, which was their attempt. Um, And in 1998, they recorded the first financial loss since the inception of the company. And that was really the low point of the company, right? So what you're doing is you see things aren't working that great anymore. You're just investing into innovation, what they thought was innovation, and just nothing works. Um, and that's now the point of the turnaround Um, because in this process, they realized that the Lego brick that they thought they would just abandon as they had abandoned the wooden toys, that this brick is still very relevant and everything should actually re- actually revolve around it. And rather seeing digitalization as a threat to the core product and trying to create new digital products or other products that would eventually um, help to phase out the core product or the old product, they actually started to combine it. Lego started to position themselves as an analog extension of digital culture and pop culture rather than, let's say, the alternative old or something that would eventually just fade. And there was this huge change in mind and huge change in philosophy that they didn't try to find the next big thing. They just tried to focus on their principle, focus on their bricks and try to combine it with with what was just happening in the market. Right. And the first thing they did was a... Licensing deal, hopping on the shoulders of giants. Star Star Wars, Wars. yeah. You got it.
0: (laughs) But that's, again, like this whole story of this licensing and then how they went from, oh, we need to abandon potentially Lego bricks to let's keep them and then let's just position ourselves as friends of the digital brands, not as the alternative. It's one of those things that in hindsight looks smart and obvious uh but also such a simple move that when you're discussing strategy in a boardroom it sometimes doesn't even seem like a decision but it's such an important simple decision that just turned the whole company around so what i'm trying to say is like these sometimes the difference between a success and a failure is so close and it's just a nuance of understanding the market and what it actually needs and in this case it's like oh we actually need to stay analog instead of going into digital uh, yeah. but the way to stay analog is by partnering with digital
2: yeah i mean for some companies leaving their core business works perfectly right so you it worked already for them they had wooden toys then they had bricks nobody was actually in a bad mood because they discontinued wooden toys. Mm. So for some companies, it would have been a great move to not do Lego bricks anymore or not do the old business anymore, but go into a new business. So if that had worked, we would maybe still talk about Lego and talk about this amazing transition from one field of business to a new field of business. But for them, they realized that actually we as Lego, we have diehard fans. And... Our diehard fans uh, just need another way of motivation um, and maybe we can motivate them through piggybacking on something else. And the first try that was really successful was uh, Star Wars in 1999. Um, And from that on licensing deal, were a recipe for success for Lego. So Batman from DC, Spider-Man from Marvel, Marvel, Jurassic Park, that was some early ones. Harry Potter, you name it. It's almost like you you don't know if you're looking at bricks or at uh, like a DVD store. I don't know who still knows DVD stores, but <laughs> that's almost like, it feels like the same thing. Mm. Like, is this now DVD boxes or movie boxes or is this now uh, Lego bricks? You don't know, it's because it's exactly the same thing. So these licensing deals was, were a huge success But they did not turn around the company because two big problems with licensing. First one, it's costly. So obviously, if you want Star Wars, you're going to pay for Star Wars. (laughs) And the second thing is you give your success into the hand of the owner of the IP. In other words, no successful movie, uh, no sales. No new Star Wars, no new Jurassic Park, no sales. If new Star Wars, but Star Wars bad, also no sales. So there is a lot of like <laughs> tripling down effects that is not in your hand. But what they learned at LEGO is that what makes these new products success- successful was the IP, the story, the characters, the worlds. And now they realized they need this for their own. They realized that their market it's not enough anymore to have themes like pirates. You need the pirate of the Caribbean. It's not enough to do Lego space. You need Star Wars, right? So you need characters, you need stories, you almost need, yeah, you need more life uh, than just the brick. Mm. And that was the next evolution of of, um, the company because they started to produce their own stories, their own characters. The first was a product line, very close to what they already had. It was called Bionicles. Not sure if people still remember, but that was their first really, really successful attempt on building not only bricks and things, but building a character. And that actually came from an external agency, another name, Chris Faber, credit to Chris Faber. He was the the person who had the idea um, and he famously said I was sitting with Lego and thought I would love to build a character instead of a car.
1: Nice one Chris. Easy
2: quote but for me it was interesting to see the shift in let's say product design and product identity. First as I said it's enough to have a theme. Now it's not enough to have a theme. You need a character you need a story you need uh, something that backs it up and yeah that was the birth of um a let's say buildable action figure that has characters that has a story behind and it was completely multi-channel comics books movies video games similar to pokemon Um, it was not only blocks I, but i didn't know they made more,
1: what, these other things from because i've heard of that the bionics yeah. and i'm sure there's others that you'll mention but i didn't realize it had expanded the other way out that's fascinating
2: yeah absolutely so that was multi-channel and this story created a new type of value proposition it goes into collectibles and it goes into fan base Before it's creativity, like, right? You enjoy doing this. You enjoy building this. You enjoy being creative. That's awesome. And that's a nice feeling to have. But another feeling that they now unlocked was like this emotions of having something, collecting something, being a fan of a theme, identifying with a character. Um, That's all they introduced with this new focus on IP and on content. And this actually... Let's say peaked with the next big thing. No content combined with a product, no IP combined with the product, but IP only, which was Lego movie. Mm. When I heard that Lego brings a movie, I was like, why? Like, I was not ready for a Lego movie. I've never watched a Lego movie. But now in this research, I realized that this was one of the most successful movies of. The decade animated movies of this decade.
1: spaceship, app. app. That won't mean anything to you, France. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I haven't watched it either. I <laughs> you not. Oh, it's really good. I, I was really skeptical going into it. Some a friend of ours was like, I oh, yeah, whack it on coming over for an evening. It was it is bloody brilliant. Really, 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 okay. really entertaining. Yeah.
2: And this strategic shift from let's say Product first to story first, in order to sell the product, really unlocked growth for Lego again. On the one hand, geographically, because they were able to enter new markets where these franchises they partnered with were successful, but maybe Lego wasn't successful. But they also were able to enter a new age group Um, and they realized that they had a huge fan base amongst adults. And this is now the last building blocks that would finally elevate Lego from a company that almost went bankrupt to like, growing into what is now the biggest toy maker in the world. They realized the potential of adults as target audience. Did you see how they they
0: call themselves these adults who love Lego? No. It's an acronym. AFOL. So A-F-O-L adult Uh fan of lego yep you can find reddit subreddit groups with this acronym and that's basically it
1: yeah i i I didn't appreciate just how big it is that community is until researching this when i was looking for like podcast episodes there's some great stuff out there wondering and a few others have done great kind of breakdowns of the history but i had to get past all of these podcasts that are that that community um adult brick fans and things like that this
2: is huge huge, huge. It's crazy. gotta have alan do
1: the huge he does the best <laughs> huge on the dmba podcast
2: <laughs> huge huge
1: um but
0: so, what i came across also is the new value proposition that this brought not sure if you're going to talk about this so it's not just selling to adults um for their fun or for the collecting but it's also now you have people who are investing in Lego, yeah. uh, I came across this YouTube video with half a million views. There is a guy who explains how he basically buys like Lego boxes in pristine—I con- mean, obviously in pristine condition because they're new—but he doesn't open them. He stores them in the right humidity mm-hmm. in, the, in his uh, home warehouse, and then he sells them. I don't know, three, four, five years later for. 3x Mm. yeah Um, so there's a whole like subculture that goes into into this as well which is a new value proposition that lego has unlocked
2: yeah absolutely which it changed like what like how lego is perceived completely so first they realized that adults are the ones buying so even if you have users is children adults will buy so obviously it makes sense to have a good relationship with them Second, they realized that adults are also users. Like if you have a product that's so old, um, it might even be that something that you love as a child, you still love as an adult. That's let's say a logical thing. So many adults love building Lego. So Lego started to sell products that were geared towards adults. And now I'm not talking about only about complexity. I'm also talking about, I don't know, Beatles themes. Obviously, no six-year-old would love a Beatles-themed uh, Lego set, but Taylor you Swift. Know <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, the third and arguably the most impactful um, view or perspective on this are that adults are not only buying; they are die-hard fans and it's about interacting with them building a relationship with them building a community and that is what lego has mastered over the years and when i say mastered it's crazy what they do for their community so tom you will know that reality tv show lego masters
1: i've i've heard of it yeah it's nuts yeah <laughs> yeah
2: so originated in the uk spilled over to the us um a reality competition TV series where teams compete to build the best Lego projects on national TV. Mm. Then um, there is a whole team of people at Lego supporting adult communities like adult fans of Lego. And there are countless of YouTube channels of people building and reviewing Lego products. If you want an example, David Hall at Solid Brick Studios 600,000 followers on YouTube and then there are some people because David Hall also has a private account also um, 30,000 followers and then if you follow all the national accounts like 30,000 here 60,000 there like that's a huge um, community and Lego brings them in to co-create to work together and this effort in interacting with the Lego community of all ages also closes the loop to the time they almost went bankrupt. I told you about this over-diversification, right? When they almost killed the company um, by this misguided diversification or unguided innovation process, right? So what they learned from their mistakes of not only having merged that should eventually... um Um, be sold instead of Lego bricks but also from launching Lego sets that just nobody felt joy in playing with they learned from this mistake by becoming the pioneers of open innovation and crowdsourcing. So even if you've never done this and heard of this that's the way Lego also creates products. So on the one hand they create create these diehard fans by co creating stuff. Um, on the other hand, that's how they make sure that their products also cater to the bigger um, to the bigger audience because obviously they're made by fans by users. So Lego doesn't only test ideas; they build a sustainable practice to interact with their fans that result in actual products. So, already in the early 2000s, they built a LEGO factory concept, which was a competition with 10 winners. And the winners of this competition got their ideas actually produced with a picture of them on the box. This grew into LEGO ideas, which allows you to submit ideas for LEGO products. And these are turned into sets. And then you receive actually 1% of royalties from sales. And now. Tom, I'm telling you about the intermediate touch point of Lego that I had. So I told you about my first mm. and I told you about my last, but the intermediate touch point that I had about Lego was as a case study in business school. Oh, interesting. Like Lego is everywhere. Every business school, like a, you cannot graduate from a business school without learning about their open innovation and collaborative, uh, or crowdsourcing, um, crowdsourcing techniques it's just the north star when you want to build an open innovation crowdsourcing practice Mm. you look at lego because they nailed it after screwing it up big times um in the early 2000s they really learned how to do uh, open innovation and crowdsourcing
1: i thought you were gonna say your middle experience was that you got one of your ideas um Implemented no, by implemented Lego. Lego. Yeah. The, and now every I don't month, even have to work
2: yeah, every month. Yeah. Yeah. Receiving. The checks
1: coming through. He just does this for love. Yeah. So I,
2: I build Legos for a living. I do DMBA for fun.
0: <laughs> exactly. Not
2: the other way around.
0: And the other <laughs> nuisance of working with Lego is that you get paid in Danish kronos instead of euros. So it's like, yeah, uh, he's a millionaire.
2: <laughs> yeah, true. Um. Yeah, I mean, this was. Basically, everything that is, let's say, proven, these are all the strategic decisions that have proven to be successful. The ones from the first wave of growth, like product innovation um, and this platform marketing, then the second wave of growth, realizing that the brick is the core, um, (coughs) needing to enhance the brick with digital and pop culture, going into licensing, um, going into um yeah own content creation so not only standing on the shoulders of giants but producing your own giants uh, your own stories um and then finding a way to actually interact with this community and really build this fan base that would not only buy your products but actually like interact promote talk about and even create um i think these were the the biggest ones there are obviously current ones but maybe we talk about them later their current strategic bets after numbers yeah i already dropped one biggest toy manufacturer of the world
0: yeah exactly so basically my guessing game the first half of the guessing game of the revenue is obsolete because you said (laughs) lego is the biggest toy manufacturer of the world um yeah it is uh the biggest toy company in terms of the revenue for sure uh, but how does it rank against other companies in the same space so let's play the guessing game as we always do we're going to try to um guess which of these two companies that i give you now tom and france which has more bigger revenue um so first one is nintendo versus lego so do you think nintendo or Lego has
1: higher revenue. Which company bigger? Who goes bigger? first? Tom. I'm gonna say Lego. And
2: I say Tom. Nintendo. Okay.
0: The correct answer is indeed Nintendo with 15.1 billion US dollars. And that's 2022 numbers because I could only find Lego 2022 numbers. Okay, so yeah, Nintendo is bigger. What about EA Sports? It's in the game.
1: It's in the game, yeah. FIFA, NBA, NHL. Your turn, Franz. You go first this time.
2: Mm, Lego harder, huh? Yeah, I would say close. Nah, I would say Lego.
1: Based off the last one, I'm going to say Lego as well. And both of you would be correct, absolutely 100 percent right. (laughs) Correct. Yes.
0: (laughs) So EA Sports in 2022 made 7.4 billion uh in revenue. What about Fortnite? So one of the most, if not the most, popular video game uh made by a company called Epic Games. So I could not find exact revenue for the Fortnite, but the publisher of fortnite the game so the publisher is epic games with uh epic games or lego have
1: more revenue mm, i really like these comparisons because it's like one game um with all the sort of stuff you can buy in game uh i don't think fortnite's as big as it used to be but i'm not a teenager so i might be completely wrong there i'm going to say lego mm-hmm. france from the
2: logic i also say lego from the game i would say fortnite
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> game theory yeah game theory, it's a so my game theory answer is fortnite mine yeah. what i actually think if this wasn't the game i would say lego is bigger yeah and you would be actually right with lego hmm. because lego is slightly bigger
0: so actually lego in 2022 had 8.7 billion um euros uh in terms of their revenue um which is 9.5 billion in us dollars um the really interesting thing is why do we even have this number so why do we even know the revenue of lego because as Franz has mentioned it's a privately owned company and just as a backstory of how we decided to do lego as a company is like each of us basically just does does a quick research to see if we can find dig up any useful stuff in terms of the things we will cover in this process. And I always look at the numbers and I I see, I type in Lego annual report and I see there's a beautifully made annual report from 2022. So I give it the green light from my side, let's jump into Lego and I can also dig up some numbers, which to me was a sign that this is a publicly traded company because mm. no private company is, I'm going to use this word stupid enough to share all of their <laughs> numbers. <laughs> um, uh, and obviously I'm not saying Lego is stupid, but it's just very uncommon practice. There's a privately owned company shares all of these information um, because usually they don't have to, so that they don't want to share this information with uh, the competitors because they're the ones that also look into this. Um, and I dig deeper into why Lego does this. And uh, well, the only reasonable explanation I could find was that they just believe in transparency and that that's kind of what they do as a as a way to communicate with the market um yeah. which is very commendable i would say it was very can i drag
2: real quick who is the actual owner did have you have you learned who is the actual owner of um lego company Batman. yeah
0: 25 yeah. percent by a uh, how do you call that well non-profit and 75 percent by the, the the family which which is uh, organized as a family office, as a family investment office.
1: Hmm.
2: Yeah, and the name of this fun fact. Oh uh, no! Yeah, I forgot. Kirk B. So K I R K I R K B I Kirk B. Which is, which is, aligned with the owners Kild Kirk Christiansen, Thomas Kirk Christiansen. Agnete Kirk Tingard, Sophie Kirk Christensen, and just remember the owner, uh, the founder's name was Ole Kirk Christensen, and the son of the founder's name was <laughs> Gotthard Kirk Christensen. So, so, is this it made me crack up? <laughs> so, I was just like, uh, Kirkby is a nice name. I like it because <laughs> there is something there, like nice logo, nice name. And then I just saw on. Um, <laughs>
0: So all of their middle names?
2: Yeah, the middle names of the... I don't know what this is. So I think uh, Danish people need to educate us there because I don't know if it's a middle name in terms of second, first name or if Mm. it's another family name because um, from the look, male and female names are there in this list and both have the second name Kirk. So I don't mm. exactly know what this means because usually there are male second names or male names and female names from tradition, right? So yeah, that made me just cool. love that they have the middle name Kirk and the name, the family office, the investment firm for the Christiansen family is called Kirkby.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good find.
1: <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> i like the fact of so, being transparent with these numbers though uh, that's quite yeah. admirable feels quite scandinavian quite progressive right very progressive so
0: let's stick into a few more numbers um so how is lego doing in the times when the toy industry is crumbling because it is so from 2021 to 2022 there are different reports so either very low growth of the toy industry. So roughly 1.5% is one report I've been found and another report says that the toy industry actually shrank um in that from 2021 to 2022. Um well Lego has grown by 70% in that 17 17 17 Seven and even in itself 70% growth is really really good for a company of this size and this age but have like knowing that the whole industry actually declined and you yep. grew by 17 so double digit growth 17% it's amazing yeah it's really really amazing however the way our scandinavians are explaining or describing this is and I'm quoting now. I'm going to read from the report. Overall, the LEGO Group delivered a very satisfactory performance in 2022.
2: <laughs> it's all good. It
0: sounds yeah. underwhelming. <laughs>
2: so, so how are you doing?
0: Mm. Satisfactory. Fine. Broadly fine. <laughs> so, I couldn't believe when I read this. Satisfactory. So I mean, just say it as it is. It, you're, you're killing it. Um, It'd be modest. So, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Modest gains. Um, so one of the reasons why, I mean, one of the re- one of the ways Lego is still growing uh, while the whole industry is declining, is because they have a very smart retail strategy. It's something we covered already in the ESOP um, episode that you try to grow by opening retail stores in different countries, in different regions. And from 2021 to 2022, the company opened. I couldn't believe it. 155 stores. So, just to put this in perspective, that's one store every second day. That's crazy. Yeah. That is literally crazy. So, it grew by 20%. So, now the total number at the end of 2022 was 907. By the way, the reason I'm talking about 2022 numbers, despite us being in 2024, is because usually it takes until March of the new year, so March 2024, we will get the numbers and the report from 2023. Yeah. So that's why we're talking about 2022 still. Um, But the mint year report from 2023 also showed very good numbers. Um, So yeah, another interesting fact about their stores. So as I said, 907 stores, so out of those 907 where did i lose this number now uh, i had the exact split of how many they operate versus how many actually are operated by partners here here i have them 185 stores are owned by the company and then 719 are operated by partners so that's another smart decision is you find a partner you find somebody in in a certain location who is willing to open the store and run it for you and then you supply them with the goods uh instead of you actually owning the whole store in that is s- a franchise they call them partners not sure if it's a franchise but could Interesting. Also be maybe mm. seen as a franchise
1: didn't realize yeah. that
0: and the huge opportunity for growth is as always Asia, <laughs> so <laughs> we keep repeating these things. But yeah, also for for um, for Lego right now, most of the revenue actually comes from uh, Americas, so South and North America, forty four percent, and then thirty nine percent is Europe, Middle East, and Africa, and then seventeen percent is Asia and Pacific, and they only recently entered um, China. As a market so that's what they're banging on and what's interesting Mm -hmm. there though is that they the chinese consumers don't have the same nostalgia so the adults in china don't have the same nostalgia that people in america and in europe and elsewhere have um and that also just means they need to market themselves differently they need to find different ways to grow Uh, but yeah opening stores is definitely a big part of that
2: Yeah, they even opened a factory recently in China. And I think even here, they can use the playbook of um, licensing. Speaking of licensing, you know what percent of their costs is
0: licensing? Uh,
2: 11%. Yeah. 11% of all of total cost is licensing cost. Correct. Yeah. Do you have a manufacturing number? You mean uh, the total split of the costs or... Yeah, the, like what percent is manufacturing? Uh, yes, I do. So, I mean, there's two
0: different ways the way to talk about the costs. So one is, so I'll, ta- I'll tell you both splits. So the production cost is 43%, and this includes licensing. Then sales and distribution is 43%, and then admin is 10%, and then other is four. Or split differently, raw materials is... Oh, I didn't do the splits here, but it's nine billions out of forty-six, and this is in Danish Kronos. And then employee cost is eleven billion, depreciation amortization two billion, licensed and royalty expenses five billion, and other external expenses seventeen billion. Okay. Yeah.
2: Cool, but we've learned already a thing: licensing is part of uh, production cost. I should actually double-check if it's production or if they put it under
0: sales and distribution, but I think it should go under production. I think so. Which brings us to another very important point uh, or key performance indicator of these companies, which is one of my favorite uh, KPIs, which is gross profit. Um, so just a quick reminder of what gross profit is. I love to say that it's basically showing us how profitable a product is. Um, so not the overall company but the product in itself um, so it's essentially what it is it's uh, the money a company makes from selling its product after paying the direct costs to make that product it's like your earnings from a bake sale <laughs> after paying for the ingredients but before considering things like uh, table rental or advertising and then in the example of lego Uh, So these costs, the costs that go directly into uh, the making of the Lego would be material costs such as plastics, manufacturing costs uh, like running factories and buying machines, running machines, the labor costs in factories, quality control costs, and so on. Um, So let's compare now Lego uh, with some other companies who have amazing gross profits as well, just to see how it fares. So another guessing game for you, Tom in France. So let's compare Lego with Google with Alphabet. Are you googling France? This is France. Right, hands up! I'm France. not googling. To them.
2: Yeah. <laughs> do you know so, what I'm doing? I'm extending think, my list. Oh, you—you know, I have a links. list of oh, all man. the no, yeah. revenue margins of stretchy. all the last companies. Was, yeah. I,
0: I don't like that, France, because that means I have to find new examples all the time. But definitely <laughs> it's fine uh so google obviously being a software mostly software company um by it, the nature of the product should have higher gross profit so what's your guess tom and france
1: feel you were leading the witness slightly there alan <laughs> slightly um i'm gonna say it's not google based off your uh, your intonation or was he trying to throw us off the scent i don't know but yes it would be a safe assumption that lego would be less profitable gross profit but mm-hmm. yeah i also think it's google has i
0: thought the same but google 55 percent gross profit margin lego 68
1: Oish. that's that's mad for a physical it's product, very impressive we talk about the i mean they've not just physical products obviously but um that is that is pretty impressive
0: it is very impressive 68 percent is super impressive number um So let's compare lego with luxotica so another company that has very similar products a hardware kind of a monopoly in its uh in its business a lot of licensing deals so i can tell you that gross profit is similar but take a guess if it's higher or lower from than lego so luxotica being the eyewear Mm. company producing glasses
2: and i argue that luxotica even has a less complex product to produce so i say it's higher
1: Mm -hmm. i'll go the other way just for the just for the fun
0: (laughs) (laughs) and tom your fun would be correct exchange uh yeah it's lego um i think it's because luxotica just needs also in i mean licensing and maybe marketing in that case is also part of the gross profit not sure not sure um, but Lego has a higher gross profit margin with 68 and Luxottica has 63. And just to round it up, uh, L'Oreal, another company with producing a product with high uh, gross margins, um, that's cosmetics.
1: I say L'Oreal, I mean, from mm-hmm. the ESOP lessons learned, it, uh, <laughs> absolutely mind-blowing. Um, I'm going to go with L'Oreal. France. Follow. I follow Tom. Yeah, L'Oreal
0: 72%. I mean, just unbelievable numbers. Unbelievable. But yeah, Lego sixty-eight. And obviously also net profit, uh, also positive net profit margin with 21%. Just to put this in perspective, Apple, for example, has 10% net profit. That is margin. the
2: even more um in- impressive number for me. I came across this report. And I was like twenty one percent net profit margin. So yeah, bottom line, bottom line. That's what net bottom profit line. margin means. Like, what is the actual uh, profit f- for all the quirks. as a percentage? Yeah, as a percentage from revenue, it's crazy. Twenty one percent.
0: So all the Kirks together get like twenty one percent of the. Everything that Lego makes.
2: Yeah, or the cats. (laughs) So they get 75% of
0: that. 75% of 25% to the fund. Exactly. But why? I mean, I was trying to understand what is the nature of this product that allows Lego to have such a high gross margin. And it goes into the very core of the decision, into the playbook that you shared, Franz, which is let's have a toy that's classic Let's have a toy that's limited in size, something that's easy to distribute. And if you think about it, the Lego is a very simple product, a very modular product. And it means that it's something that you keep producing for years and years and years. And what is the highest fixed cost in plastic products? The mold. Exactly, the mold. And that mold costs from 50 to 100K right? Which means that if I make, let's say, 100,000 pieces, so I make one mold and I make 100,000 of these pieces from that mold, it means that each of these molds cost me $1 in terms of the fixed cost from the mold, right? It could mm-hmm. be slightly more because of the plastic that I'm also pouring into the mold, but the fixed cost, it amortized over 100 pieces. So each of them cost me $1. But what if I told you that some of the Lego pieces have been produced more than 50 million times? That yeah, means that, I get that. amortization yeah. for that one mold is distributed over 50 million pieces, if assuming that we use the same mold, which is $0.002. So that's less than a cent. That's 0.2 cents, essentially which tells you that that's why this company has such a, a high gross margin because it has these beautiful product which they can basically produce without knowing exactly what they will do with it because they can, once they the plastic is made, they can decide, oh, this is de- in demand right now. So we can use this two by six dots Lego brick in that box for the Star Wars. or Yeah, I think there it. are
2: many custom parts that are really, let's say, only used for this very set, but I Absolutely. think there is a, like a big base of the standards exactly. yeah, products. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think there's one principle that they might have. Let's say, especially parents will now disagree um, that, or will say that they that's not true anymore. One of the six principles, affordability. Like, mm-hmm. it feels like the with the licensing deals, they also managed to build a brand on top of brands. Like if you line yourself up with great and very big brands, then eventually you are also get one of these brands. And I think that's what Lego has managed to do. And I would say that Lego now is a premium toy. Yep, agree. So affordability, well, yeah, it might be still affordable, but it's definitely not a budget or cheap toy and i guess that's also going into uh, the the great uh, net margins that they have mm.
0: exactly um so having said that uh and all the numbers i shared just now let's see what we have learned about this company how do you feel about it so now it's the judgment time or the way france wants me to say the judgment day for lego <laughs> So, France, would you buy, hold, or sell Lego stock if you could?
2: I would definitely hold. I would maybe buy. I think that. I don't think they have the biggest potential of all companies. But I think they have such a great margin that there is now a lot of stuff that they can still do. Now, I just want to introduce the current strategic initiatives that they have <laughs> from their <laughs> financial report. So the three biggest ones are first, opening own stores even more. Yeah, that's going to grow sales. That's going to help them not like indefinitely. Second one is sustainability, packaging material and brick production. Also not something that I think will help them grow because either it's going to be, so how do you grow? You grow by winning against somebody else. They are already the leader in the um, in the industry. So you can't say, hey, now buy us over this other toy because we are more sustainable. So that's not really a growth strategy that's more like, yeah, we got to do it. Like, yeah. we're mm-hmm. gonna go into this direction. Everybody has to. Uh, and the last one is merging digital and physical experiences. Their last, their third big strategic bet, which also doesn't feel like a bet really. It also feels like, yeah, you got to do that. And I was uh, very intrigued by uh, the number they want to grow their digital team to. Did you come across this number? No. Haven't. So full employees. How many employees does Lego have? Twenty-seven thousand was at the end of twenty twenty-two. Is it twenty-seven or seventeen? Twenty-seven.
0: Twenty-seven. I double-checked, but pretty sure it was twenty-seven thousand.
2: Yeah. Um, a digital team of one thousand eight hundred people. So a digital team that only works on e-commerce, upgrading digital infrastructure, and driving enterprise-wide digital transformation. 1,800 people hired only for that. Uh, they are not there, uh, but they that's one KPI that they shared in their, um, yeah, let's say half-year report, or the one that I saw. So to me, that's a question mark because what... Um, that could work, could not work. So, yeah, I'm now bottom line I'm at hold. definitely hold. Maybe buy if you love toys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Slightly
0: positive, <laughs> slightly, slightly, <laughs> slightly positive sentiment coming from France. What about Tom? Maybe satisfactory vibes coming from satisfactory. France. Satisfactory. Well, yeah, satisfactory. Yeah, what yeah. Being obvious
1: <laughs> with it. Um, mm, yeah. The growth thing feels like a challenge. It's a shame we didn't get time to dive into sustainability stuff a bit more because I think that's going to be an enormous challenge for them. And they have had to roll back a whole bunch of sustainability um, initiatives because actually they weren't stacking up. They were trying to use recyclable plastics, but actually the amount of emissions from recycling processed was higher than the original fossil fuel stuff. That's that's a big one. And I'm starting to hear parents Mm. in my circle like, not sure how much longer we can keep buying lego that's a very small sample size but um yeah i can see there being some pushback there but it's just it's the toy isn't it there's there's still so much demand there's still so many franchising opportunities it feels like um yeah the growth might settle off but there's still going to be great dividends every year um modest you know acceptable ones i would i would be um I I would be be buying and knowing that it would probably be a very reliable investment, but maybe not expecting anything nuts from it. Um, mm-hmm. On the dig, on the d- digital team thing, I don't know about both of you, but I have certain organisations that I follow on quite closely on LinkedIn. Um, have like job alerts set up for you know like dream jobs. There's a few brands, a lot of them are Scandinavian for me, and Lego seems to just be constantly on the hiring charge um, in just in scandinavia i'm sure or globally if you had alerts set up, so yeah that definitely does seem to be playing out that would be interesting to see where that goes so yeah i would be um i would be buying and holding for for a while i think
0: i have the same sentiment it's probably more on the hold side of things my view is that yeah as you said tom they are producing the toy And despite all the changes that are coming with the digital and probably new toys with VR and AR, and things like that, I think there's still, most parents still want their kids to grow up until a certain age before they give them the digital toys. Um, And I think uh, there's more and more parents who think like that. And that's where Lego can flourish, whether that's a plastic brick or maybe in the future a wooden brick, let's see but i still think um it is here to stay lego as a company um and i believe in its stability I'm not so sure about like long term growth uh, but definitely here to stay so i would also be if i would be one of the kirks i would keep my 75% i would be thinking about selling but also probably not about buying <laughs> <laughs>
2: No investment advice of course. Educational
0: purposes only. Exactly. Yeah. I think we should have done this in the beginning. But (laughs) But just someone (laughs) paused
1: there and tried to somehow join the family. Um (laughs) the Kirks Oh, that's a good point. Yeah.
0: This time it's okay if it's in the end of this section because they can't buy so the listeners can't buy Mm. the
1: stock. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I think that's the the part, the episode yeah yeah it made yeah. me want to get my hands on some some lego now i know i started out as a bit of a you know ah not for me anymore i'm going to pop down to the lego store at one lunchtime this week i think and see see what's what's going on in there
0: yeah we can show what we built in the next episode let's see what that one is about mm, indeed thanks tom thanks Franz. see you in the next one ciao Hi, everybody. everybody bye